Well, good morning. If we haven't met, my name is James. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at the Chapel City. Good morning. If you're joining us online, good morning. All right. Well, if anyone saw the news last week, uh, you would have heard the sad passing of Queen Elizabeth II. Now, she truly lived a fascinating life. Uh, And the impact uh, she had on people is evident through just how many people are lining up for hours to pay her respects. Now, some interesting facts about the Queen. She was the longest reigning monarch ever in Britain. Uh, She was served by 15 UK prime ministers from Winston Churchill to more recently Boris Johnson. Uh, She was the only person in the UK allowed to drive without a license. Crazy, eh? Where is she going to (laughs) drive? Um... She had two birthdays, and uh, this is my favorite one. Her birthplace is now a fancy Cantonese restaurant. (laughs) Uh, But the thing that has stood out for me has been her generosity. The Queen was patron to over 600 charities in Britain. The stats show that she helped raise over $2 billion for nonprofits and, and has been described as having done more for charities than any other monarch in history. The queen was a generous person. Now, when I think about generosity, I'm reminded of a Christian by the name of Jimmy Darts. Now, this guy is a social media influencer uh, who goes around trying to spread kindness. I'm reminded that generosity actually has nothing to do with money. This Jimmy Darts guy is a combination of Oprah and Ellen. And he goes around responding to people's kindness with kindness. And he shows that a little generosity actually goes a long way. Um, there's a video, so let's How you uh, doing? that. Are you waiting to take the bus? I'm a short a dollar for a bus ticket, and I'm willing to give my sandals away. No way, really? You're kidding. What's your name, sir? Jason. Jason. Thank you so much, yeah, man. I appreciate it. I actually didn't need a dollar. I was seeing the first person out here to be kind enough to give me a dollar. I actually got something I want to give you. It's $500. No. Yeah, yeah. You're the, you're the first person out here today that offered to give me a bus ticket. Wow. You're going to give me this? Thing? Yes, it's for you. How did you know that I needed this? I'm going to the hospital right now, and I needed this so I could get my car back on the road. What's your name? Jimmy. Jimmy Great Jason. to meet you. Thank you, man. You're amazing, man. And Jesus yeah, loves you. Hey, man. That's what I, what I do is... What I do is I make videos on the internet and I raise money. So my followers actually donated that money to give to someone today. Yeah, can I say a quick prayer for you? All right. Jesus, thank you so much for my brother. Father, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you come over him right now. Fill him with your peace. I command his health to be back, restored to normal. In Jesus' name, God, that you would bless him, guide his path, and just have deep relationship with him along the way. Amen. So why did you decide to give me a dollar? Find a mom with kids and pay for their groceries? Excuse me, ma'am. I got a random question. I'm just seeing if someone could buy me these muffins. I left my wallet at home, but if not, no worries. You could? Thank you so much. The truth is, I actually actually didn't need you to buy it. I was seeing the first person to offer, and there's $200 for your groceries. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Bless you. You're amazing. Oh, my God. You got a great heart. Thank yeah, I, yeah, praise the Lord. I do, I do these videos where I capture people's kindness and then reward it. And so wow. I was able to raise $200 for you today. But Thank you so I've been trying all day. You're the first person to say yes. Going to my son's tuition for his school. Really? Every You're... week is $200 a week. Oh, for real? Exactly. Dang. Thank you 
That's crazy. Oh my gosh. I was just wondering, I'm just asking different people if someone could buy this for me. I'm trying to give a toy to my daughter, but I'm like, I'm pretty broke right now on funds, but uh, it's a little... This time, maybe a little too much for me right now. Right, okay, no worries. Oh, my apologies. Yeah, you're amazing, man. Thank you so uh, much. Absolutely. Got up to the cash register, I had to think about it. You know, I was like, man, let me go back and what if it was me. Dang, so, no way, bro. Your kid, you went and got that for me? Dang, bro. So I actually didn't need to buy this. Oh, man. Yeah, man, I actually got a gift for you. $500 for you. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. That's for you, man. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah, I'm serious, man. Yes. Yeah, I'm dead serious. That's for you. Oh, hello, excuse me. I saw you putting groceries in. I was wondering if you just had like an extra little banana or something to eat. I just don't have any money with me today. Oh, thank you. This whole bag? Yeah, do you eat cereal? Yeah, I love cereal. No way, thank you so much. I actually didn't forget my wallet today, and I was seeing the first person kind of to help me, and I have $500 for you. This is for you. Yeah, I got cereal. Is that for you? It's real, you're amazing, take it. Is the money gonna help out? Yeah. I thought, oh my god, this young boy is hungry and I don't have any money I can give it. What's your message to the world? Just help anyone. Doesn't matter who. I don't black. Alrighty, how awesome is that? Now, some of us need to be generous, right? We may not have 500 bucks to go around and bless people with, but we can be generous with our words, with our actions. Some of us, we need to be like this Jimmy Darts guy. We need to go out into all the world and show that people who follow Jesus are generous. Others of us, we need to be wise in what God has given us to steward. Maybe it's not time, maybe it's not season for you to give as much as you would like, but it doesn't mean that we should hold on and hold our things. You know, this month, we're in the month of spring sowing, and our focus has been on this scattered church. And how amazing it was to hear uh, the stories from Joel from last week from Open Doors. And as you heard, they get to carry out their calling and their mission because of generous people like yourselves. And so today we're going to land at this. Generosity and the gospel go hand in hand. We're going to, we're going to see three things from scriptures this morning. Generous giving supplies the needs of God's people. Generous giving reminds us that God is the giver. And generous giving is evidence of commitment to Christ. We get to be generous because we serve a generous God. Being generous is a privilege because we all have seasons of abundance and seasons of need. Generosity goes beyond money. It actually has nothing to do with money, but it has everything to do with your heart. The Bible calls us to be generous, not only in our finances, our time, but our money, uh, but our, our time, our hearts, minds, and hands. Generosity goes beyond money. I can't stress that enough. You know, if you walk out of here and all you have in the back of your mind is, man, God just wants our money, or man, this church just wants our money, or man, money is bad, then you've missed the entire point of generosity. Money isn't a bad thing, but money also isn't a good thing. One pastor says it like this. He says, the things that tend to keep us away from God, money accentuates. Money magnifies them. What he's saying is that the things that draw us away from God, like comfort, security, status, power, self-worth, money makes worse. And that's why money and wealth is so spiritually dangerous. Because if we're not careful, it will rot our souls, our relationships, and our walk with God. 
You know, someone said that money is like drinking seawater. The more we drink, the more we get thirsty. In the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, there are over 500 verses on prayer. That's a lot because prayer is important. There's roughly the same amount of verses on faith. And it makes sense because prayer and faith, they kind of go hand in hand. But there are over 2,000 verses on money. One out of every 10 verse deals with money. 25% of Jesus' teachings address the issue of money. That's us doing a sermon on money every, once every four weeks. That's a bit intense. The Bible has a lot to say about money. But when we give to kingdom work, we're sowing into the gospel. We're sowing into gospel work. We may not be on the front lines like, like organizations, like Open Doors or Compassion Australia. But by sowing into these ministries, we partner with them in spreading the gospel. And so today, I want us to see some principles that the Apostle Paul lays out. Uh, he lays out for the Corinthian church in order for them to give well. Because how many know that just because you give, it doesn't mean you gave? Or how many of us have been in a space where we begrudgingly gave because we had to? And as I was preparing for this and praying for our hearts, I really pray that, that God would challenge you to live a life of generosity. Because money and things and materialistic items, they will come and they will go. Everything that we have, everything that is in your possessions is destined for a tip. It's destined for a garage sale somewhere. So what does the Bible say about generosity or generous giving? 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 gives us some great insight about it gives us great insight into why we need to be generous and how to actually be generous. Both these chapters are written by the Apostle Paul to encourage the, the Corinthian church to continue their obedience to Christ. And you'll see in some of your Bibles that the subheading for chapter 8, it reads, the collection for the Lord's people. Now this collection was a collection of money to help the brothers and sisters in poverty, to help the Christians who were on the front lines sharing the gospel, the context of what's happening in these chapters is that Paul challenges the churches in and around Corinth to continue their participation in this collection to help further the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 9, 7-15. Let's read this together. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but, it is, but, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. Because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his, for his indescribable gift. Now, out of all the places in the world, the church should be the most generous. We need to be the most generous in sowing into gospel work. 
And there are three things that we need to remember in order for us to be generous when we give to the local church, applying the needs of the Lord's people. But it is, but, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his, for his indescribable gift. Now, out of all the places in the world, the church should be the most generous. We need to be the most generous in sowing into gospel work. And there are three things that we need to remember in order for us to be generous when we give to the local church or when we give to organizations. And the first thing is this. Generous giving supplies the needs of God's people. Verse 12. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. The Apostle Paul is saying, yes, you may not be on the front lines of mission work like Open Doors or Compassion, but when you give, you are directly supplying the needs of God's people. All throughout the New Testament, we're given commands to remember the poor, not only remember them, but to do good in giving and providing for them. Galatians 2.10 all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Romans 15.26, For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. We're also called to help the ministries that we send out. And as we lead up to our missions night in October, you'll have an opportunity. We'll have an opportunity to partner with the Cambodia team that is heading out. We'll have an opportunity to say, yes, I want to join you in what you guys are doing over in Cambodia. Yes, I may not be physically going, but I want to sow into what God is doing. And for the Cambodian mission team that are going, you guys have an opportunity to see firsthand what the missionaries are doing there to spread the, the gospel. We all have an opportunity to participate in the gospel. Our roles and responsibilities may look different, but we're all on mission for the gospel. Paul says when we give to those in need, when we give to our brothers and sisters on the front line, we're supplying their needs. Giving is an act of faith in response to God's grace. God doesn't need our money. He actually doesn't need you or me to further his kingdom. He can do it fine himself. All the money in the world doesn't even come close to the wealth of God our Father. He doesn't need us, but he allows us to partner with him in furthering the gospel. God isn't dependent on us, but we're dependent on God. Giving to others is a response to what God has already done for us in the past and a demonstration of our continuing confidence in what he has promised us. The second thing is this. Generous giving reminds us that God is the giver. Verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. We bring glory and honor to our God by giving. Not to bring glory and honor to ourselves when we give. The passage says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Paul is reminding the Corinthian church that when God blesses and provides for us, it's so that we can be generous. 
so that we will be a blessing to those around us. And this will ultimately bring glory and honor to our God. Our God is the giver of all good things. If he has blessed you with money and things, then you have the responsibility to steward it well. Because in an instant, it can be gone. How many of us have heard the stories of a lot of millionaires losing everything in, in one night? If God has blessed you with things, not just, not just money, but things, then he has blessed you to be generous on every occasion. As the passage says. So what are you going to do with your generosity? You know, I just want to put some things into perspective. If you live in Australia and your salary is about $30,000 and you're not married or single, and you have no children to look after, then you're richer than 91.2% of the global population. Your income is more than 7.3 times the global median. Pretty, pretty crazy high. And if you're married and have two kids, and your combined income is about $60,000, you're in the richest 13.3% of the global population. Or say you have a combined income of $250,000, with your spouse, and you have two or five, because it doesn't matter where if you have three or four or five, then you are in the richest 2.4% of the global population. Your income is 14.7 times the global median. What am I trying to show you? Generosity is not about how much money you have. The stats show us that most likely that we're all in the top 10 to 15% of the richest people in the world. And yet we forget that we are blessed and rich so that we can be generous. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to go out after church and give 90% of your money to charity. I'm saying that sometimes you don't give because we think that we don't have enough. But the reality is that we live in a country that provides the doll, that provides Centrelink. We live in such a blessed country that if you're struggling financially, the government will throw money at you. God is the giver of all good things, both spiritually and materially. Paul's goal and purpose of these verses in chapter 8 and 9 was for the, for the church to recognize that, that God is the giver of all things. But one quick warning, that if you read these chapters out of context, or if you read these chapters with your 21st century lens on, then the hole that you're going to fall down is the prosperity gospel hole. And straight up, that that is not the gospel at all. The prosperity gospel claims that God rewards increases in faith with increases in health and or wealth. For example, if you give to God $1, he'll bless you with $10. If you give to God $100, then he has to return it to you a hundredfold through more money, through healings, through cars, through jets, whatever. If you believe in that theology, then what you've done is you've just reduced God down to a vending machine or a genie granting you wishes. It goes against everything that the Bible actually says. And that's why this movement is so dangerous, because it distorts the Word of God. It ends up putting your needs and desires above everything and everyone else's. And this is why it's so important for us to know the Word, to be in the Word of God, to study it, to learn it, to love it. 
Because 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, The love of money leads to all kinds of evil. Luke 12.15, Jesus warned us, Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Matthew 6.19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Our resources, everything that we have, it originates from God as a blessing. Not because we deserve it or because we earned it, but because God gave it. God can in an instant give or take away our money and our possessions. In an instant. And generous giving is not caring less about what we have in this world, but caring more about God's purposes in granting us those gifts. One Christian author says, Wealth is a gift of God, freely given as an expression of God's commitment to His people. Hence, for those who trust in Him, it can be freely given away. Generous giving reminds us that God is the giver, that our wealth is a gift from God. The third thing is this. Generous giving is evidence of commitment to Christ. Verse 13. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. In the New Testament, Paul emphasized the importance of contribution and giving to the poor because it's evidence of a life that has been changed by God. It's evidence of authentic faith. The collection of money that occurs in chapter 8 uh, provided an important opportunity for the Corinthians to test the, the genuineness of their faith. John MacArthur, in his commentary, says, The Jewish believers or, who already doubted the validity of Gentile salvation were especially skeptical of the Corinthians since their church had so many problems. The Corinthian church's participation in this collection was, was evidence of submission to God's grace. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 1 John 2.3 We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. Now, did the Corinthian church have to give in order to be saved? No. We're not called to be generous because it's what we need to do to be right with God. Generosity is an overflow of an authentic relationship with God. You know, I love what, the, what Paul tells the Corinthian church. Others will praise God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel. Generosity is just one of the indicators, one of the markers of your confession to Christ. Generous giving is evidence of a heart that is being transformed by God. You know, as I mentioned earlier, 25% of Jesus' teachings address financial dealings. And you know what's staggering is that Jesus does all this teaching on money and not once he takes an offering. He never once after his sermon says, everyone get your credit cards out, we're going to take an offering. Jesus does all this teaching on money and never asks for any of it. Why? Because Jesus wants our hearts. He wants your heart, not your money. He's after a heart that is being transformed. So how do we actually be generous toward God? How do we actually be generous towards God and others? Two simple principles uh, to help guide us in how to give. Number one, give willingly and purposefully. 
Uh, there's a video, there's another video of our mate, uh, Jimmy. Go to the gas station and give $500 to everyone getting gas. So I was wondering if you had an extra dollar or something for gas. Yeah. Thank you so much. Why did you give me this dollar? I ride with the sober Indian riders and I help people all the time. You can have your dollar back. And I actually want to reward your kindness, so I got $500 for you. Awesome, man. Are you're, you sure? Yeah, you're amazing, Charlie. And awesome. because of your kindness, I'm going to be paying for everyone else's gas here. And that guy right there, Charlie, because of his kindness, 500 bucks for you. What? Yeah, that's for you, man. Are you serious? That's unexpected. Awesome. Oh, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. $500 for you. 500 Really? Yeah. Are you sure? I'm dead serious. You're amazing, bro. Thank you so much. Yeah, Can bless I? you, man. I partnered up with Cash App today. Good amount of funds to give away. I got $500 for you. What? What's the cash? Just I'm sorry, language. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was it. What a difference it is when we give because we want to give. Yeah? And how true are the words of Jesus when he says, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Our giving, just like our brother Jimmy in his videos, it needs to be prompted by a willing mind. Because a willing mind reflects the posture of your heart. 2 Corinthians 8, 11 to 12 says, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by a completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Let me challenge you. When you give, what is the posture of your heart? Are you giving because you have to or because you want to? And if it's because you have to, then why? You know, there might be something deeper going on in your heart than you realize. The Bible tells us to give willingly and joyfully because it is far better to give than to receive. We're also told to give purposefully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Purposefully meaning be intentional about your giving. Don't just give because you felt like giving or you felt super motivated to give one day. But as Paul says, give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. We give because we want to give. We give because it's a response to the God who gave everything for us. When we remember that we're sowing into God's kingdom, then giving willingly and purposefully, it's a joy. So the question that um, always pops up for us is, how much do I need to give away? How much should the tithe be? What does the Bible say about how much I need to give? Well, in the Bible, there are two rules of thumb, the Old Testament rule and the New Testament rule. And if you put them together, it is powerful and practical. In the Old Testament, the, the minimal tithe was 10%. How much should you give away to charity, to church? If you're in the Old Testament, then the minimum was 10%. In the New Testament, there is no mention of how much you should be tithing. But there is an additional guideline. And that guideline is this, sacrifice. Jesus didn't tithe his blood. But he sacrificed. So what does this mean? This means that whatever your giving is, even if it's 10%, if it's not affecting how you live or the decisions that you have to make, then it's not a sacrifice. 
Is the Bible saying that we should sell everything we have to, go into debt and, step, and stop providing for our families? Yes, no, no, it's not. But it's saying that our giving, our tithe should be a sacrifice. Number two, give cheerfully. Uh, let's go to the next video. I love this one. Would you rather have $1,000 in cash right now or... Give $10,000 to someone random in the store. Oh my God, I want to be myself. Well, there you go. Yes. I'm about to have a heart attack. Yeah. No problem. Have a good day. Would you rather have $1,000 in cash right now or give $10,000 away? I'll be honest. I should just have a premature baby. Here you go. Have a good day. You're welcome. Would you rather have $1,000 cash for yourself right now or... $10,000 to give to someone random. <laughs> Sorry, language <laughs> again. Well, then you have 20 seconds. Here yep. you go. 10 seconds, right? <laughs> Nine seconds. Take the whole briefcase. Okay. Oh, he was more in the heart effects. I've been out of work for the last year and I'm just going back to work. So, like, this. Can yeah. I hug you? Yeah, of course. And for being kind, I have a present for you. We're also giving you $10,000. This is life changing. How cool is that? I promise you that the giver receives more joy than the one receiving the gift. Just as you read in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Because giving cheerfully demonstrates that we love Jesus more than our money. Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either, he will hate, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Giving cheerfully helps us take our eyes off ourselves. It reminds us that money doesn't have a hold over us. It helps us to remain grateful for what we have. When you and I, when we as the local church, when we give and when we're generous to the gospel work that our brothers and sisters are doing, we're saying, God, I trust that you are bigger, you are greater than my needs and wants. God is wanting our hearts more than he is wanting our money. And Jesus, straight from the beginning of his ministry, he knows that the temptation and lure of money will draw people away from the kingdom of heaven. That's why Jesus has so many things to say about money. Think about this. People will miss out on eternity in heaven because they couldn't let go of money. Think about the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. This young man had everything. He had the latest camels. He had the latest iPhone 14. He had everything. Yet when he comes to Jesus, the giver of life, he walks away. It says sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Why does he walk away sorrowful? Because his own love for his possessions was a stumbling block. His heart rejected the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus, the source of life. And so we read that he walked away, and we never hear of this rich young man again. Once again, are we saying that we need to give everything away and live like a hermit in a jungle? No. But what the Bible is saying is that God is after your heart. He's after a heart that will give cheerfully. 
There will come multiple times in your life when you have to decide, do I keep this for myself or do I give to God? Let me challenge you. Next time, check your heart and check if you're giving out of a cheerful heart or a heart that is trying to hold on to what you have. Giving grudgingly or in a spirit of resentment Yes, it may contribute and supply the needs of others, but it actually robs you of the joy of giving. If God is nudging you in your heart to give or to encourage someone, then do it. Don't walk away sorrowful. It's not worth it. And so if you're here and you're saying, why don't I I want to give away more? Why am I so stingy with my things? The, the answer is because you're not looking into the gospel until it melts your heart. It is our sinful hearts that keep us away from generosity. It is our sin, our corrupt hearts that tell us to hold on to things for ourselves. Each single one of us have had times in our lives where we've, we've consciously decided to choose money over God. We've decided that we would rather comfort, pleasure, and self-satisfying fleshly desires than God. And in doing so, we've fallen short of God's perfect standard. And if we were living by the Old Testament laws, we would be disqualified from entering heaven, every single one of us. But the good news of the gospel is this. Jesus took the punishment due to our sins. He took it on the cross. He died a sinner's death for our sins, to fulfill the law's requirement. Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life. 1 Peter 1, 3 says, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. It is the gospel that softens our hearts. Generous giving flows out of a heart that understands that Jesus became poor for our sakes so that we might have life, not that we might become billionaires. Giving to God's people in need to help further the gospel reflects our appreciation of what God has done for us in giving up His own Son for our salvation. If Jesus came into the world and kept His life, then He would have been the greatest person who ever lived, and that would be it. But Jesus came into the world and gave his life. No one has ever given more than Jesus. We give in the light of God's indescribable gift to us. And therefore we give with with a cheerful heart as an expression of gratitude to God. 2 Corinthians 9.15 Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This means that Jesus is a gift and salvation is a gift. We do nothing to earn it. But we receive Jesus exactly as we would a gift with gratitude. If we really understand and appreciate the indescribable gift from God, then our response should be one of gratitude. How will you respond Today, how will you respond to God's grace and generosity today? God's indescribable gift is what inspires true generosity. Let's close our eyes in prayer.